Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator, Josh Horowitz. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming out uh, this Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here, as I'm sure you guys are, because we're only days away from the fault in our stars. It is pretty exciting. I've seen the movie twice. It's awesome. And in case you didn't know everything there was to know about uh, this film, let's start with the trailer, and then we'll uh, bring some special guests out. Take a look. choice in this world about how to tell sad stories. On the one hand, you can sugarcoat it. And nothing is too messed up that can't be fixed with the Peter Gabriel song. I like that version as much as the next girl does. It's just not the truth. This is the truth. Hey, make some friends. Sorry. My bad. I'm Augustus Waters. I've been in remission for about a year and a half. Maybe you'd like to share some of your fears with the group. My fears? Oblivion. What's your name? Hazel. What's your full name? Hazel Grace Lancaster. Why are you staring at me? Because you're beautiful. So, what's your story? I was diagnosed when I was 13. No, no. Your real story. Quite unextraordinary. I reject that out of hand. You know, Gus talks about you all the time. We're just friends. I hope you realize you're trying to keep your distance from me in no way lessens my affection for you. Gus, I'm a grenade. One day I'm gonna blow up and I'm gonna obliterate everything in my wake. And I don't wanna hurt you. You don't get to choose if you get hurt in this world, but you do have a say in who hurts you. I am in love with you, Hazel Grace. And I know that love is just a shout into the void and that oblivion is inevitable. And I am in love with you. All your efforts to keep me from you are going to fail. break something. You gave me a forever within the numbered days, and I can't tell you how thankful I am for our little infinity. It's a good life, Hazel Grace. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've got some special guests. Here they are. The cast, the writer, the director. Here he is, the author first, Mr. John Green. Shailene Woodley. Ansel Elgort. Laura Dern. The one and only Nat Wolf. Sam Trammell. And director Josh Boone. Come on out, guys. All right, guys, have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. John, what? <laughs> what's, the, what's the best tactic to keep them semi-quiet for the conversation? I don't even know. 
Oh uh, yeah, so we can't we can't talk unless y'all are a little quiet. So I know I, I know that it's hard because I also want to scream right now because I'm sitting next to Shailene Woodley. <laughs> and but, I am screaming inside because I'm sitting between you and Ansel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let it so be you have to you have to resist the you have to resist the urge so that we can uh, have a conversation and talk to you about uh, the movie. The good news is uh, we're going to get to a lot of your questions in a little bit. So uh, get them ready. And uh, we want to hear from you guys as well. And also the good news is we have virtually the entire cast here and the director. So I feel like we can just reenact the film right here, maybe. Should we just get started? Yeah. Yeah. There's a good scene in the airport we could reenact. Um, (laughs) Starring John Green. Oh, should we start on that sad note? Because it's a great movie, but it lacks a certain... Superstar. But I bet Absolutely. the DVD will. Yeah, I mean, first off, I was in the movie. My scene was cut. Everyone's gotten a lot of everyone's gotten a lot of mileage out of this. But the reason my scene was cut was not because I am not a great actor, which I am. Um, I was I was tutored. I had one line. I'm so sorry, and I was tutored in my line by the great Nat Wolf, who's a genius. <laughs> Hey, you know, you can work with someone as, as, you know, as long as you want, but sometimes things just don't click. Um, but no, it just didn't work. It didn't work in the movie. I, I, there's no question that Boone made the right decision to cut it. Um, but you can see it on the, the night before our stars, Thursday, June 5th. Uh, and you'll all, it'll be on the extended cut. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, they're going to show oh it at, in Atlanta. This is so exciting. <laughs> Oh, nice. We are great. You, y- mostly you, uh, but I'm still pretty good. It was a kind of interesting scene because I had to put a cannula in my nose that a little girl had in her nose, and so we were sharing snot all day, which was a little bit weird. But That's why you got into the business, basically, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> but I remember, John, I remember you were in character. Like, there were some takes where you were kind of disgusted by it, and then there were other takes where you were like, it was okay. Well, I wanted, I, I, one of the things that I Daniel learned Daniel from- Day, John Green. One of the things I learned from our extraordinary cast is that you have to give a nuanced performance and you, you want to offer something different in each take. Um, so I made sure to try to give you everything that you needed to work with when you, when you got to the editing room. You gave me a lot. Nice. I hope it's Are okay. Are we still that was, talking about this Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to spend the next yeah. 40 minutes on this. <laughs> yeah, we're actually in scenes that are in the movie. Let's get to us. Come wow. on, guys. So, such bitterness. Um, <laughs> let's talk, okay, this amazing cast that you guys have assembled. Uh, Josh, what were you looking for when you were looking for your, uh, your leading characters here? What were you looking for when you're starting to audition people for this film? I was looking for actors who could speak John's language and bring it to life. And it's like, you know, the first time Shay came into audition was the first time I'd ever heard anybody say Hazel's lines, and I believe they were Hazel. I mean, it was the first time. So her audition was pretty devastating. We cried, like, a lot. What do you guys, uh, Shailene, what do you remember about that audition? Did you feel like you, you knew this character when you, were, when you were in that audition room? I did. I felt like I knew her the second I read. I read the script for the book two years ago, and then I read the book immediately after. And sort of the way that she, the way that she spoke and the way that she and Augusta interacted with each other and the sarcasm between her and her mother, uh, or not the sarcasm, but the, the sort of wit between, you know, when her mom's like, what did he give to you? And she's like, oh, he gave this to me. I don't want to give anything too much away. But it's just the, the, the nature in which Hazel spoke, I really re- re- uh, responded to and felt like I spoke like that. 
you, uh, you get to work with this guy. I don't know if you guys have seen Ansel Elgort before. Have you ever seen? Okay. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ansel, when you got this role, was that the biggest moment thus far in your career when you get the call that, like, I'm going to get to be Augustus Waters in a film like this? You better say yes, by the way. I mean, I was just pretty, I was pretty, like, scared and a lot of pressure, to be honest. I was like, I, I don't, I hope I do a good job, you know? It was, like, a big role to take on, a big responsibility, because, I mean, look, look at all these people here, you know? Like, people really care about this guy. People care about this story. So I, I just didn't want to mess it up, really. You didn't. Good news. Thanks. John, when, uh, when it first came up about potentially adapting this into a film, was that excitement, dread? What was the, the first feelings about potentially seeing this uh, translate for the big screen? Well, I mean, I didn't want to make it into a movie initially, and I didn't want to sell the rights, really. But when I met with the producers, the people who became the producers, you know, the first things they said to me, they had like three minutes with me before I went on stage with my brother Hank at this middle school auditorium in Los Angeles. And... I hope you guys are sh screaming for middle school, because it is awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. It's rough. Um, it gets better. But uh, we, um, he's, uh, they, th this is what they said to me. They said, we're going to make a movie where the female romantic lead has a candle in her nose for the entire movie, where disability is part of her life, but she's not going to be defined by her disability. And uh, we're going to make a movie that's not just about romantic love, but that's about love within families and that honors your story. And we're not going to just stay true to the, the, the plot, but we're going to stay true to the tone and the feeling of the, of the story. And you have to believe that we can do it because we are confident that we can do it. And I trusted them, and they kept every promise to me. I mean, they kept every single one of those promises. And I, I think that's why the movie is so extraordinary. So for, for Laura and Sam, I mean, in, in, in the bad version of a movie like this, you guys, I mean, everyone here could play cliches of these characters. And part of the beauty of this film is it feels so truthful. And that's thanks, obviously, to the direction and John's words. But can you give me a sense of sort of like, how, how did you keep on track on set to make sure it was it was feeling true, it was feeling authentic, as opposed to feeling like falling into a, a movie of the week kind of cliche. Um, well, we, we spent a lot of time uh, together offset, uh, you know, just hanging out, getting to know each other, um, having dinners all the time, basically, in Pittsburgh. Um, but also, there were, it was, it, I mean, it was, we had real, uh, you, know, you know, people, kids with, that had cancer, and, you know, and so we wanted, we wanted that to, to infuse it with, you know, give it a weight and reality. So that so it was always very uh, very palatable and real, um, and you know we we had some little notes we passed back and forth, you know, keeping our relationship fresh and pretending to be married and you know <laughs> that kind of thing. And and I think as Shailene said, you know, you feel you um, can hopefully pay tribute to John's language because you feel you speak it and. Sam and I, as actors, felt like we'd never played parents or even grown-ups that much before. <laughs> so true. Josh, I think, made uh, an astute choice to match rather irreverent actors all the way across the board who hopefully understood John's tone in the, in the humor amidst all the uh, a crisis that unfolds. So that was really fun for all of us to be a family together in that. One thing I didn't know until I watched the movie was I, I, I didn't know as much because I saw when I was writing the book, I saw it all through Hazel's eyes and Josh has, had to see it through everyone's eyes and, and each of these people had to see it through their eyes. And one thing I didn't know at the time was that the love story between 
Hazel's parents is a really powerful story. Like they have this tremendous obstacle in their marriage and their love that that no one could expect when you make a promise to each other to be married. And the way that they kind of stick together in that in the movie is very powerful for me. Like as a parent myself, it was just really wonderful to see. I thought they did an amazing job. Uh, I want to bring in Mr. <laughs> Mr. Nat Wolf. Hi, Nat. How are you, sir? Uh, Isaac, the role of Isaac, it's a curious character because like, you don't think of a guy that's losing his vision, his eyes to cancer as being potentially the comic relief, the guy that can bring some levity to a film. But, but you function as that, among other things, in the film. Is that, is that a unique challenge for you when you're taking on a role yeah, like that? Yeah, when I first took on the role, I thought it was going to be um, easier <laughs> you know, than it was. But then you know, it was basically about making sure that, that Isaac wasn't a joke, you know, that he was just a funny person. Um, uh, more than, you know, that, that it wasn't like people making fun of him for being blind, you know, that he was going to be the, uh, before anybody else could make fun of him, he was going to make fun of somebody else. Uh, uh, and then it was just, so it was basically balancing that, yeah, he did have to be the levity of the situations, and then at the same time, like, yeah, he's going blind and he's getting dumped, which are upsetting things, and I think I did a really good job, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeping it humble, really, boys. Yeah. You really did, though, and I want to, I... I dislike you as a person so much. I want to criticize your performance, but you really were fantastic. I'm just kidding. I don't, obviously, I, I hope it's clear that that was a joke. Nat's my, Nat's like my second or third favorite person in Which the cast. Part? Which part was the Him joke? Him as a yeah. person or his performance? Do you, do you want to seat the people according to how much you love them? In no, order I did. From I, did. To... I did. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Sam. Yes, you did. Yeah. Particularly you sorry never to me. you, Josh. I actually yeah. did it my direction. <laughs> Uh, we have some uh, clips from the film we want to share with you guys. Uh... You better get you dressed because you have reservations for two tonight for dinner at Orangie. Oh. And it says, enjoy Mr. Peter Van Houten. So I looked it up and it sounds amazing. The guidebook says it's fancy and very romantic. Right? Fancy. Oh, God. Okay, what will you wear? Hmm. Is that for me? <laughs> oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're just saying? What, you're saying that you're totally fine with your teenage daughter running free with an older boy? In a city that's famous for its vice and debauchery is totally fine with you? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what I'm saying. Laura, I'm curious for, for you. I mean, you've been, uh, you know, you've acted all your life, literally all your life since uh, you were a teenage actor. And working with someone like uh, Shailene, who's also been acting virtually her entire life, and these young performers, I I'm wondering, do you see something, do you feel a kindred kind of spirit when you see young performers working at the top of their game? And, and what's special about working with folks like this at such a young age? Uh, it's amazing. These folks, it's particularly amazing because they're all, uh, beyond the fact that they're all just incredible actors and deeply honest, which is so beautiful, they're pretty much the coolest people any of us would ever want to know, which is why we had dinner every single night together because uh, we love each other and this is just a, a really beautiful group of big-hearted people. So... That's particularly amazing. And um, 
you know, to watch a group of young actors have the level of respect for an author that everyone in this room would wish them to have toward John Green was particularly uh, awesome to watch and a great tribute to John um, and the story. So that was really, really awesome. The, uh, that, that scene, I'm not sure if that was, that was shot in, in Amsterdam, but obviously the exterior scenes in Anne Frank House were, were shot uh, in, in Amsterdam. Uh, give me a sense. That uh, came probably later in the shoot, I think, for you guys. Yeah, it was at the end, yeah. So that must have been refreshing and also daunting because those are some of the most key, important, pivotal scenes in that relationship. Was that something you were looking forward to? What do you remember about shooting, in particular, the Amsterdam portion? It's film. actually nice that it sort of took place, I think, at the end of filming because we we had such a great idea of our relationship and the way that would and the scenes were so present in our mind that we had already filmed and so we could go. It was sort of filmed in sequence in the sense that up until Amsterdam we knew what happened and then at Amsterdam we were really able to pull upon the memories as if they were real memories versus just fabricated ideas of what an actor would assume they would do in a scene in the future. Which was really lovely, and it was so it was so beautiful. Amsterdam's so romantic, and we were there, and and it wasn't sunny. It was it was cold, and it was um, sort of dark and foggy and rainy. But that added such a romantic element to it that I think added to the story in an even more profound way than had it been extremely sunny with Toy Story clouds and, you know, tulips everywhere. Obviously, the, the scenes at the Anne Frank house in particular, I think, are, are among the many scenes that the audience is probably very excited to see. And so what do you remember about shooting literally in the Anne Frank house? Is that something that you well, remember fondly? We shot the downstairs and like one of the first rooms in the Anne Frank house, but we couldn't actually shoot most of the scenes in the Anne Frank house. It's quite narrow. So we shot, you know, they, we, we shot it in Pittsburgh in a studio. Um, ruining the illusion. The no, movie magic. no, it's, it's even more amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is because uh, it looks so real. Yeah. Oh, it I is. Like, I mean, I've yeah. been, like, you know, every, every little tiny, like, you know, I, uh, little crack in the wall was, was correct. Yeah. My and DP. I didn't uh, know this. I'm pissed. Ben, ben, when Ben Richardson and I went, uh, the first thing we did when we got to Amsterdam was we went through the Anne Frank house and we both were looking at each other the whole time like deja vu because it was so exact. The, they the rebuilt way it, it from the plans inch, inch for yeah. inch. I mean, Molly Hughes, the production designer of, of the movie, did an amazing, amazing job. Like, you didn't know. Um, and I've seen it twice. Yeah. I'm, confu I'm confused. No, I can't, I can't tell what was shot in Amsterdam and what wasn't. And I've, I was there. Uh, another clip we want to show you guys, uh, Ansel, Shailene, and Nat are in this one. This is a, a really fun sequence. Uh, take a look at this one. Here we go. So how are your eyes, Isaac? They're good. They're not in my head is the only problem. Have you heard from Monica? Nope. Not a thing. She hasn't even texted you to not make once. sure you're okay. Not once. I hate that girl. Hey, it's Grace. Hmm. You happen to have five dollars. Is it there? It's there. Mm-hmm. Can I have an egg? Hazel Grace? Egg me. <laughs> All right, here we go. You got right. this. Come on. Yeah! Yeah! What? Yeah. what? Yeah. Now I know exactly where to line you it up. That was so exhilarating! <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop, 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 stop. Hello? Are you Monica's mother? I am. Hello, ma'am. Uh, your daughter, she's done a great injustice, so we've come here seeking revenge. See, we, we may not look like much, but between the three of us, we have five legs, four eyes, and two and a half working pairs of lungs, but we also have two dozen eggs, so if, if I were you, I would go back inside. 
I, I do want to say that that scene is about two minutes longer in the movie, and it's been heavily truncated, so it's much longer in the movie. Just so you know. <laughs> uh, Nat, was that your first time egging a, a house or a car? Yeah, that was my first time egging a house, but I never saw it because I was blind doing it, so I never saw it. So it's good to see it. Yeah. Looks uh, good. Looks nice. <laughs> I want to get to your questions uh, as soon as possible. So let's just go right to the, the third clip we have, and then we'll go right back to the audience for your amazing questions if we can. This is uh, Shailene and Sam. Hello? Yeah, just sec. Hi. Gus. Again. Sorry, she's asleep. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. Bye-bye. I know what you're thinking. It's not fair to him. It's not. He doesn't need this in his life. And nobody does. A lot more trouble than it's worth. No, you're right. Mom and I were just saying the same thing. I mean, it could be time we toss you out on the street. Drop you off in an orphanage somewhere and make you their problem. We're not sentimental people. All right, guys, you have some questions for this amazing cast, writer, director? Hi, guys. This Hi. is so unreal. Um, by the way, you're amazing in Hairspray, because I saw it my freshman year. Um, <laughs> I've, been to, <laughs> I've been to all the events in the city, and I read the book the first week it came out. It was absolutely amazing. And I can honestly say that it changed my life. It changed my whole outlook on and mentality, too. So I just want to thank you so much for that. Um, my question to you is, Esther is your inspiration for this book. Your readers all know the, there are many iconic quotes or metaphors, if you will, like pain demands to be felt. Were any of these metaphors a direct quote from Esther? Um, yeah, so for those of you who didn't hear, my friend Esther, to whom the book is dedicated and who died of cancer when she was 16 in 2010, um, uh, inspired a lot of the book, although I want to be clear that Hazel is not Esther, um, and they're very different people, and, and whether anything directly from Hazel's life or anything that she said worked its way into the book. Uh, no, not directly, and, and not, no, like, quotes or anything, anything that she told me. I always felt like the conversations that we had were private, um, and I didn't want to share them, but um, there's no question that you know what did work its way in is Esther's empathy, her ability to turn outward. Uh, one of the things that I love most about Shailene's performance, you actually see in that moment where she, she says he doesn't, he doesn't need this. She's able to imagine what it's like for her family, what it's like for, um, for Gus. She's able to, to see, maybe in a way that he even can't, um, you know, how hard it would be and She's trying to be kind to him, and I do think that's something that, that was very much part of Esther's life. Thank you. Oh, and also, we graduate uh, this Sunday from high school, so if you can give a shout-out to the class of 2014. Congratulations. Be great. Yeah, congratulations. Very exciting. Uh, hi. I wanted to know if you guys could play any other character in the movie, who would you play? In this film? Ooh. Any other character in this film, who yeah. would you play? Maybe like Van Houten. You would have been older. A, yeah, I was going to say, you wouldn't have been a very good villain. Not now, yeah. I'd want to play John Green's role in the airport. Girl's, girl's, girl's father. Yeah. 
Yeah, girl's yeah. father. That is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Van Houten would be an interesting role. If Sisyphus the Hamster had a role in the movie, I'd choose that one. <laughs> Michael Brabiglia. Oh, Patrick. The, Patrick. Yeah. This Patrick, is a little guitar playing, you know. You would have yeah. been. You would have actually been a really I good been all Patrick. Right in that. Yeah, you could have done. You, you could have awesome. done both. You know, we just put you in different glasses. Right. No one would have known. Exactly. Right. Um, I would have. I would have uh, liked to be Hazel's dad. Um, I mean, I'm not a, a good enough actor, but like, I, uh, Hazel's dad is the character I most connect to uh, myself. So I would go there. Um, was there any point where, um, after getting to know these characters and uh, John's John's words, um, was there room for uh, improvisation, or uh, did you talk about the direction you wanted a scene to go, um, or was that just your interpretation that you you know you showed in your performance? I mean, there's definitely moments of improvisation in the movie. I mean, in both my movies, Nat, some of my think the funniest stuff is Nat Wolf improvising. So, I mean, it was still very much on book, but, I mean, there was room. I mean, there was freedom. One of John's favorite moments in the movie is an uh, improvised moment, right? The, yeah, the, one, of my, one of my very favorite moments in the movie is in that scene, the egg-throwing scene that you watched, part of it that isn't in that, that you didn't see, is um, Gus says to uh, Isaac... Um, well, Gus says it's all dark to Isaac, and then Isaac is like in the middle of throwing the egg, and he stops and he turns uh, toward Gus and says, um, "I'm I'm blind, not deaf, and I don't love it when you make fun of my disability." And it's like a great moment because uh, Isaac is refusing to be the butt of the joke. He's saying like, "I'm you're you're not." And in addition to not being the butt of the joke, I would like to tell you a joke that is funnier than your joke. Um, like, I will now show you that I am funnier than you. And I love that moment. And, and that was improvised. But I think, like, you know, they spent so much time together. They were so close. There was so much, it's cheesy to say, but it's true. Like, there was so much love that went into this movie. There was so much care for each other when making it. That, um, that And you see that. You see that they, that they were collaborating very closely, both, like, you know, at dinner the night before or or whenever? Um, I'm 13 and I just, uh, I've been a nerd fighter since I was like eight. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, my question is for Nat. What happened after the Naked Brothers Band? I still do play music with my brother. Um, and uh, we have some new music coming out in three days. Um, under the moniker Nat and Alex Wolf, um, creative band name. Uh, Cities of God for you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds just like that. Um, and then I've got, you know, I'm so lucky to get to work with unbelievably talented people like this, so. No, but I yeah. think, are you going to do the Naked Brothers Band again? Uh, no, probably not. It's going to be the Clothed Brothers Band now. Yeah, nowhere near as good. When did you know that you would be such a huge success as an author? Um, I, 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 hmm. <laughs> uh, it happened the, the way that you fall asleep. <laughs> Sl slowly, then all at once. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I had a lot. I, I, I was able to get my books to readers and, and have a wonderful readership almost from the time that Looking for Alaska was first published. I mean, within a couple years of it coming out, 
Thank you. I had a, you know, I had a readers and I really liked them and I loved hearing from them and I felt very close to them and that was magical. I, but I could never have imagined that, you know, so many, that millions and millions of people would one day read the, that, that book and, and my other books. Um, and it really, I guess like a month in maybe to Fault in Our Stars, I was like, this is weird and it seems to keep happening. And now it's been like two and a half years and it's still happening. And I, I mean, I suppose it will end at some point, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Thank you. <laughs> You've constantly said that the reason to write a book is to give a gift to your readers. Um, how do you balance that with not giving into this commercial desire of air quote, what the teenagers want? Uh, I don't really care what the teenagers want, to be honest with you. Like, I don't... Um, I just don't care about uh, what the market says that I'm supposed to do or what, you know, like I like telling stories and it's exactly as you said, like it has to be a gift. And if you think too much about, if you think too much about like, oh, books are supposed to have this or books are supposed to have that, you stop thinking about the reader and you start thinking about the idea of a reader, you know, or the idea of a readership. Like, insofar as possible, I want to think about you. I want to think about, and, I, and I'm blessed that I can know you, kind of, through Twitter and Tumblr and YouTube comments. I can, I can kind of know about you. And so I can just, hopefully I can base it on you um, and, and try to make something for you instead of trying to make something that's like for an abstracted idea of you. Um, so, Charlie McDonald recently um, made a video about the importance of understanding your audience. And yeah. my question for you, John, is how do you, um, I, I don't want to say cope, but what do you think about the community now that your fan base is so much bigger? That's a great question. Um, and I love that video by Charlie. Um, it talked about how you have to, this is, Charlie is so cool, like, for those of you who don't know him, he's amazing. Um, and this video about, by Charlie talked about how you have to, it's really difficult to imagine a big group of people complexly. Like there are a lot of people here and I can't speak for y'all, but like I am kind of freaking out and like I bet a lot of you are probably kind of freaking out because this is weird and exciting and cool. And it's really hard in that moment to think about people complexly and not to make assumptions about them or to presume that you know something about them. Um, as the, you know, as things grow right now, like this is exciting and I'm just doing my best to try to imagine you complexly, but I also know that like, I'm, you know, I hope that you're around in a couple of years, you know, like that's what, that's what's really cool is to think about. I know a lot of those, a lot of people are going to love the movie. I think everybody's going to love the movie and then they're going to, you know, go and get into other stuff, which is great. But there will be a few people who still want to make projects with us and still want to do stuff with us. And that's, that's really cool to me. Um, this question is for Ansel, and I was wondering Wait. if you think that living in New York could have affected your career choices, or if you would have lived somewhere else that you would have still wanted to be an actor. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, living in New York is an, it's an amazing place to live, and I'm so grateful that I did grow up here because, you know, I'd go to Broadway shows all the time, and it, I'd go to Broadway shows all the time, and and I'd go to the, I'd go to the, the theater when I was a kid. I you know went to the ballet, and that's I don't know some of you guys know that's how I started in ballet and so it's like coming from a small town I think it's it's, it's more challenging and, I, and a lot of people do and that's amazing to me because you know then you really have I don't know how you just discover something like like this but I was lucky being from New York and also just in New York there's like especially when you're an actor there's so much going on here like you know one of my favorite things to do is like play street ball and like 
you can just like do things like that in New York and, and like a lot of different things and it makes you who you are. I think it makes being a New Yorker makes you an interesting person. So that helps. What is streetball? Basketball, but gotcha. in the street. It's a fancy way of saying streetball. Well, I mean, yeah, as it is. <laughs> um, I have a question for Ansel. Um, what's your Broadway dream role? I'm right here. <laughs> oh, hey. My Broadway yes. dream role, I want to play Javert and Les Mis when I'm older. My name is Javert. Do it, do it. Give me more. What's your Broadway dream role? Yeah, how about Shailene? Broadway dream role? I don't know. I always thought it'd be cool to be Alphabet in Wicked. <laughs> They're both going to have offers figuring. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else have a Broadway dream role? Sam, do you have a Broadway dream role? Uh, God, you know, it used to be Romeo, but that's... <laughs> that ship has sailed, Can't my friend. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'd like to be There's in so Avenue Q. There's so many good Broadway dreamers. What? I'd like to be in Avenue Q. That's a funny show. Shailene, I love your hair. Oh, thanks, man. Your hair is so awesome these days. Thank let's, you. Let's end by hearing it for Shailene's hair. Amazing. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Shailene's hair. Shailene's hair. Shailene's hair. Shailene's hair. That's, how, that, that's how all podcasts at the Apple Store end. Uh, guys, The Fault in Our Stars <laughs> opens this Friday. I know you'll check it out. Thanks so much for sharing your Sunday Thank afternoon. You Thank you. Thanks to this cast and director. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>